0: Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. We have this uh, very interesting passage today. I've got some uh, fun passages recently to preach on, and I've really loved it because we're really unpacking what Jesus is actually trying to say in the Sermon on the Mount. And what I'm increasingly convinced about is that we read a lot of the teaching of Jesus through our own very legalistic eyes because one part of the human condition is to bring everything down to a rule or a law. And Jesus actually did that for us. He brought it down to these two commandments, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strengthen to love your neighbour as yourself. And he unpacks that by saying, the way I love you is the way you love each other. And that's what—that's the way of life that we've been called into. But there's something in, in um, human beings, in our human fallen condition, that um, wants to keep going back, as you will see in a moment, to the original human beings who made some massive mistakes. And I, I believe we keep bringing that even into our, our faith. And God is, is wrestling that out of our hands. And so may he wrestle that out of your hands today. So here's the fun passage that I get to speak on today. Matthew 7, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and may tear you to pieces. It's Matthew 7, 1 to 6. And so we're going to talk about judging and planks and sawdust and pearls and pigs and a whole lot of things like that. So let's think for a moment before we get into this. Have you ever felt judged by someone? Well, hand up if you've never, ever felt judged by anyone. Because if that's you, you can go and help in the cafe because I think they need volunteers or the rest of us deal with judgment. Okay, so if you felt judged, I just want you to ask yourself for a moment, what did it feel like? Like really analyse your heart and say, don't just say, I didn't like it because obviously was there anyone here firstly who did like it? No, so no one likes it. So what is it about, about judgment about you when you've received it that you don't like. Just in your heart, what is it? You can talk to a person next to you giving you 30 seconds to consider that, to hear what someone else would say. What don't you like about it? I read a story about a man who was worried that his wife was going deaf. And she didn't think she was so one night when she was working at the table and he was on the other side of the room her back to him he, he said can you hear me and there was no response so he took a step closer and said can you hear me and still no response so he takes a, a third step and says can you hear me still no response the fourth time he goes right up and speaks into her ear can you hear me and she goes for the fourth time yes I can hear you so you have to be careful So what is this judging thing all about? Sometimes it's about pride and arrogance. Theologian David Daniel Hoffman writes this, the first thing to say is that knowing good and evil does not refer to the possession of information like one would know the capital of Belgium or the chemical components of a cell membrane. It's an active phrase and refers to discernment between good and evil or more simply making judgments because then people say, well, you have to discern between good and evil and you have to make judgments and decisions. But I don't believe this is actually what's talking about you because in Hebrews 5.14, you are meant to, as you journey in faith and become very, very close to God and be able to be totally led by his spirit. Hebrews 5.14 says, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And so what, um, what we're talking about here then is not discernment as such. Well, it is discernment. It's not just discernment as to how to distinguish between good and evil, but discerning what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do with that. And this is where we often get it wrong. The judgment that it's talking about here goes right back to the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve said, we want to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, we want to be like God. We would love this position of being God where we can work out what's wrong with people, what needs to be fixed up with people and how they should be fixed up. So we become like the doctor who um, diagnoses and decides what the cure is for every person, whether they asked for it or not. And that's what judgment tends to be. And so we, we are in this position where we actually love it. It fills our society. Once you think about how people talk about um, analyze others and not just what they do but their motives and the reasons that they do things, you'll discover that our society is actually full of it and that's the human condition. That is that is fallen humanity who's fallen from God, who wants to be like God. So the problem with judging is that it's you want to take the position of God in other people's lives, which is a very dangerous place to be because you are not God and you can actually be trying to usurp the power of God in others' lives. H.A. Ironside, he's a, another theologian, he tells a story of a, an old story of a man called Bishop Potter. He said um, he was sailing for Europe on one of the great transatlantic ocean liners. When he went on board, he found that another passenger was to share the cabin with him. After going to see the accommodations, he came up to the purser's desk and inquired if he could leave his gold watch and other valuables in the ship's safe. He explained that ordinarily he never availed himself of that privilege, but he'd been to his cabin and had met the man who was to occupy the other berth. Judging from his appearance, he was afraid that he might not be a very trustworthy person. The purser accepted the responsibility for the valuables and remarked, It's all right, Bishop. i am be very glad to take care of them for you. The other man has been up here and left his for the same reason. And we read in Matthew 7.2 this. So firstly, we start, don't judge. Matthew seven two. for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, So before we move into this world of judgment, let's remember this, that you are moving into a world where you will receive what you have been given. And David Guzik writes this, According to the teaching of some rabbis in Jesus' time, God had two measures that He used to judge people. One was a measure of justice and the other was a measure of mercy. Which measure do you want God to use with you? Then you should use that same measure with others. So think about how you want to be perceived, how you want to be valued, how you want to be loved, how you want to be corrected. Because all of us have people that we would go to and say, is there anything that you see that I you know, should fix up or need to work on? But those people are chosen very, very carefully. And you have to have a very strong relationship with those people to trust their opinion and know that what they're about to say is really important. So I have people that I would ask that question to um, but I have people that I wouldn't ask that question to and you will all be the same. You have people in your family who you trust, people that you work with that you trust. Stu and I work really closely together and I can go to him and say, should I have done that differently? And sometimes he might say something that uh, hits. Well, it doesn't say it hurts. It makes you feel like, oh, did I get that wrong? But I trust him because I know he's got my back and he's got my best interests. And that's the sort of people we want to be for people. The people could come to you and say, can you tell me? And the reason they do is because they trust you because you know that they've got your back and they've got your best interests at heart, not that they're trying to control you. And when we try to be judges like um, I believe we're talking about from Adam and Eve, which is the human, full and human condition, it's because we have this desire to be like God and we want to control people. We want to walk into people's lives and say we have the answers for all of them. There's something about that that we love and you hear people speaking with great superiority about other people that they really don't even know. and That is part of our human condition and you'll find as you think about this as the week goes on that you, you can be invited into many conversations where you are called to actually judge the intentions of people's hearts and yet you don't even know them. You don't know the story of their life and you don't know what's gone on in their life. And it's a very dangerous position to be in because it's putting yourself up as God. But this passage goes on to talk about how to remove a speck from your brother's eye. So what, how do we do that? So let's have a look. So it says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? So firstly, we presume that the speck of sawdust and the plank are sins. We presume that. Well, it doesn't actually say that. So you've got to look at what the passage actually saying. It doesn't say it's sin, but it could be sin, okay? But it doesn't say that it's sin. So when you judge people, sometimes you just judge what they do and the decisions that they make, whether they're good or bad. So someone decides to buy a house in a particular region that you think was a really bad investment, you judge a whole lot of things about them. Okay, So you can judge people for lots of different reasons. A speck or a log, this is what I understand about specks and logs, if I happen to have a massive log, which I probably do, sticking out of my eye, firstly, it would be very painful, be very uncomfortable, and, and I wouldn't be able to see very well. And if you have a speck of sawdust in your eye, it is very painful, very uncomfortable, and you're not able to see very well. It's talking about eyes. I think there's a lot to do with vision here, a lot to do with vision and how you see things. And the thing is, as I've said before, there's this beautiful prayer in Ephesians 1 verse 18 that says, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, that I might see you. Because we human beings are spiritually blind until we're filled to overflowing with the love of God. And then by his Holy Spirit, he starts to open our eyes and we start to see things clearly, including ourselves. And he reveals ourselves to us gradually because it would be such a shock if he revealed ourselves to us immediately. We would be horrified. But fortunately, we have this merciful God who reveals ourselves to us gradually and transforms us gradually as we press into knowing him more. And so looking at specks of sawdust in your brother's eye and it no, paying no attention to the plank in your own, Jesus is asking his question. I'm sure it's a rhetorical question, but I'm going to ask this anyway, because he, he's asking a question. So why do you worry about someone else's situation and analyse it and try to control it and manipulate people, but you don't look at the plank in your own eye? I'm going to ask the answer for that question. Why is it? Ask yourself, why is it? Why is it that you would have a conversation with others about someone else, but you don't sit and say, would you like to all look at the plank in my own eye for a moment and can I just pour out to you all my faults and failures? i just like to share them all so I could take the attention off the person that we're talking about. Why is it that we don't like to pay attention to the plank in our own eye or as um, Chelsea said when we we're talking about the first one that we get defensive? Why do we get defensive about ourselves? Why don't we want to look at the plank? Why do we love the this, this speck? Okay 30 seconds. got a few multiple choice questions. You might choose one of these. You can add, us, add something else. I'm so used to the plank. I didn't even know it was there. I'm sick of them going on about that speck. It makes me feel better about myself. If they would just do what I told them to do, it would solve everything, including the plank in my own eye. Or how dare you say I have a plank? See, the way we see things often comes from superiority or religiosity or blindness to our own condition. So this is my thoughts about specks and planks. I think if you've got a plank in your own eye and Jesus is asking you to have it removed, it's only going to be the Holy Spirit who's going to remove it from your eye. If I had a plank in my own eye, um, this is what I, as I said before, this is what I would know would hurt. It would cause me blindness and it would be very painful. And so it could be, um, it could be a sin in my life. It could be a hurt or a pain or a grief or a loss in my life. It could be trouble in my life where I can't see clearly what to do, where my soul is in a troubled position but I've got this plank and to have it removed from my eye, which is a very, very delicate part of my body, it would require very special surgery because not only is it being removed but the sight of my eye is being restored, which is why you pay a lot for eye surgery because you want someone, you're not going to trust your eye to someone who's just going to... uh, rip away at your eye and when you come out you're blind you actually trust your eyes to someone who you know has very good vision and very delicate uh, very has, can do a very delicate operation with very steady hands and so when it comes to you and me God sees us as so precious and he and he operates on us very beautifully and very delicately But he wants our sight to be restored and it may be a painful process, but he he cares for us as he allows us to go through this painful process so that we can see really, really well. And when it comes to the speck in someone else's eye, this is what I know. I think Jesus is saying, if you haven't gone through this delicate surgery yourself and you don't understand what it's like, how are you going to have the ability to get something out of someone else's eye? And this is what I know about a speck removed from someone's eye. If you've ever had anything irritating your eye and you ask someone to help you remove it, they have to get really close to you and they have to be trusted. You're not just going to have anyone just barge up and try to get the speck out of your eye. And so what does it actually mean to have this plank, this log removed from your eye? Well, it says in Psalm 139, and Stu read from that before, in Psalm 139, the first couple of verses says this, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. It goes on, Psalm 139, to show how intimately God knows us to the very, very depths of our being. And it finishes off by saying this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And so I believe when we get, if you're going to get the plank out of your own eye, which is what we have to talk about first before we talk about specs, you actually have to come to the Lord and say, Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. And to know there is this God, it says in Psalm 139, He knows your goings and your comings. He knows every word you're about to speak before it's even on your tongue. He knows everything about you, and yet He loves you completely, as we've sung this morning. He knows everything about you, and He wants that log to be removed so that you can be whole and so that you can see Him and see others and see the world and see life and death incredibly well. That's how he wants you to be. And so he wants you to have the, the the log removed. But for you to have the log removed, you've got to sit still enough in his presence and you have to trust him enough that he speaks to you and he does that beautiful surgery on you so that you can say to him honestly, search me, oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. See, Anxious thoughts are, are a log in your eye because anxious thoughts, as we are talking about last week, reveal that we don't fully trust in this incredible love of God for us. So whereas we, I believe we've taken this just to mean particular sins, I believe it's far more than that. The particular sins in our life are, are the result of a deeper condition in our soul of fear of insecurity of loneliness of brokenness of hurt and of pain and sometimes we just want to clean ourselves and others up just by sort of stopping doing a particular thing but we still can't see properly because we're still filled with the fear or the hurt or the loneliness or the brokenness or whatever it is that that propels us to act in a particular way so I am um, I was listening to a story last night in a podcast and Kerry Newhoff um, leadership podcast as a guy who's um, an actor Called Terry Crews, who's on um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, if anyone watches that, and America's Got Talent, if anyone watches that. But he's talking about his long journey of um, pornography addiction and um, how he found pornography when he was about 10. But the reason that he was drawn to it was because um, he came from an abusive alcoholic home where his mother was often not beaten to the point of being knocked out unconscious. And they also belonged to a very legalistic church where everyone was publicly humiliated for what they did wrong. And so he's, he, he needed a place of security and that's how he got into this. But he started to lead even when he, got, he became a Christian, eventually married a lovely Christian woman but still had this problem because it was a secret thing in his closet. And what he was doing, he knew he was wrong, but there was such hurt and pain and brokenness on the inside, he didn't know what else to do. And when the Lord healed his hurt and pain and brokenness on the inside, everything all started to change. His marriage was restored. His family was restored. And, and so it's a sign that when we do something that is wrong, it generally comes from some hurt and pain and brokenness that's on the inside. And I believe that's why Jesus is saying, be careful how you judge. Because you can judge and say, I saw a person doing such and such. But you cannot judge really the state of their soul, what's going in in that what's going on in their soul And we like to do that. And if you really care like God cares about you, that's why this psalm is so beautiful. When it talks about the depth of your being, it says, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle in the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. No matter where you go or what you do, he will stay faithful to you. He will stay close to you. We are the sort of people who when we see someone do something wrong, we... We um, we remove ourselves from them lest we be associated with someone who is a sinner. But Jesus is the sort of person who when he sees someone doing something wrong moves closer to them because they are a sinner and he understands that that sin is coming from a depth of broken relationship between God and people and he wants to see it restored. And we need to ask ourselves, where do I fit in? Do I remove myself from people because they do things that, are wrong or things I don't approve of or do I push in because I see that that comes from some sort of brokenness within and they don't know what to do with it. There is a brokenness in their relationship with God. They don't fully understand his love. There's a brokenness in their relationship with people. They don't feel loved and valued. And I, who am full of the Holy Spirit and have experienced this delicate eye surgery myself and now have the ability to move right in and, and help people in their brokenness. And if you haven't experienced this eye surgery yourself, you must not start practicing it on someone else because Jesus says you're a hypocrite. In other words, you're an actor. It's like you're pretending that you know what you're doing. There was a story of um, a guy in America who was a doctor and one of his patients one day just had a few suspicions about him and she, and she did a little bit of a search, a big search apparently, and she discovered he actually wasn't a doctor but he had an entire surgery. He had certificates up on the wall and his mom was the receptionist. So they were in it together making lots and lots of money and uh, he obviously had some good guesses because people kept coming back to him for more treatment. But that's, a, that's a, an actor. That's a hypocrite because he's not really a doctor. And we can do the same. When we have not allowed the Holy Spirit to get to the depths of our being to find out the brokenness that's in us, why there is sin within us, why is it that if you have not allowed the Holy Spirit to do it in his gentle way, then you go and start doing it to someone else is just a fake. You have no understanding. And that's why the stuff that you've been through individually that God's healed gives you a beautiful platform to going into someone else's life because you can sit with them and say, I get it. I get it, and this is how God restored me. And you have to be brave enough to talk about it. So as, as um, Graham and I listened to this man, we were driving along last night and listening to this podcast, and he's talking openly about his addiction to porn, he really demystified that addiction. And, say, and it was like anyone who suffered with that could go to him very confidently and say, I'm the same without any sense of judgment or condemnation. And the man would say, I get you. He's not saying it's right, but he's saying, I get you, and I can find the way out for you. I can help you find the way. Jesus is the way, but he can help you find the way. And each one of us will have had something, whether you've some sort of sin or pain or brokenness or something that you've been through that is destructive in the world and you don't know how to get out of it. But as the Holy Spirit gently does his operation on you, you are then able to go and minister to someone else. And so to remove a speck, there's three things I think you need to notice. Firstly, you have to appreciate that someone's in pain. If you see someone doing something that's wrong and you just, you just start um, talking about them in a condemnatory way, you don't understand that there's some sort of pain and brokenness on the inside. And so you have to understand that. So if you see someone, literally saw someone with some speck in their eye and they're really irritated and their eyes are watering, etc., and you go, I'll just get over it. Well, stop Stop making your eyes water. I'm not making my eyes water. There's something in my eye. No, there's not. You're just imagining it. You can control that. That's that's what we can become like when we're judgmental. You have to understand something's wrong. Something is wrong on the inside. When people make poor choices, something is wrong on the inside. When people are acting strange in some ways, something is wrong on the inside. And then to get it out, if you've ever had something, someone has to move in really close to you. Really, really close. Very close. Like, Your faces are this close. And so you actually have to invite someone. If someone comes to come into that close to me, you want to push them away unless you really trust them. And then you allow them to operate on your eye to help you get rid of the speck in your eye. And you have to understand it's a very delicate operation because that eye is precious to you. Which brings us to the last verse. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. You you could look at this in many ways. The way I want to suggest to you today is this. Um, When it's talking about the dogs, what is sacred, it's this image of um, something that's been offered to in the temple as a sacrifice. And you imagine there's the priest in the temple and he's got the meat that's been offered for sacrifice. He just picks it up and chucks it out to the dogs. Or you've got precious heirlooms, pearls of great price that have been handed down to your family. And uh, you chuck them out to the pigs because they just look like pig food. They just look like little seeds. And I believe it's saying you've been given something very sacred and that is what the Holy Spirit has done in your life. He's come, Jesus has come and died on the cross for your sin, which is the supreme sacrifice. And sometimes we treat that with great irreverence. It's the sacrifice that washes away the sins of the whole world. And yet sometimes we receive that sacrifice of the sins that have the, the, the sacrifice that's washed away our own sin. And yet we take it and we treat it with contempt in the way that we treat other people. And we have this pearl of great price, this beautiful gospel, that it is good news. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have, have, have eternal life and that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn it but that the world through him might be saved. And we don't treat it with the value that it has. We don't offer it. We don't offer that same grace and mercy to other people. We become condemning and so we have this precious treasure and we treat it with contempt. And you could also see that the, the pearls are the people that God has brought into your life. You could see it as the gospel. You could see it as the people because they are very precious to God. Every person sitting around you today, Jesus died for them as much as he died for you. Every person in your family, every person you work with, even those that are causing a lot of pain to other people, Jesus died for them. And therefore, as you allow yourself to go through delicate eye surgery daily, You know, sometimes I think I'd like to think, oh, yes, I had that delicate eye surgery 20 years ago and I've just been able to see perfectly ever since. It would be nice, wouldn't it? But I know it's not true. That's why I love to continue that prayer, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, that I might see you that I might see the hope to which you've called me, the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints and your incredibly great power for those who believe. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead for those who believe. And that's what you and I are called into. We are called to be followers of Jesus. We look at people and we want every person to be transformed into his likeness. But as we do this, we do it with great discernment. We do it led by the Holy Spirit and we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us every day so that we then have the ability to go and help someone else. With his grace and his mercy, because he wants everyone to be set free from sin, from pain, from brokenness, from loneliness, from all the agonies that come into this world. He wants us all to be set free from it. And then as we do that, we will have the ability. And the other thing is to understand that there are people in your world who can enable you to remove specks from your eye. The sin, the pain, the brokenness, the addictions, whatever it is that's that's destroying you, the confusion the lack of sight, there are, there are people who are, you can trust to come really close to you and ask the Holy Spirit to show you who those people are so that you can. Nobody wants to live in the pain and agony of um, not being fully in the love of God and his grace and his mercy and not becoming the person that you were destined to be. And that's what he wants to do for us. I was reading Psalm 42 the other day, wrestling with some situations in my life and asking God, why haven't you fixed this up yet, God. And, um, and I felt he led me to Psalm 42. So I'm reading Psalm 42 and it's talking about, David's talking about all the things that are going wrong in his life and I think, yes. But then he finishes off and I felt God highlighting the end of Psalm 42 to me. It says, restore my soul, restore my soul, O Lord. And I just felt God saying to me, the first thing that you need is a restored soul and then I can work in the other areas of your life. And so I want to say to you today, if you're going through anything or if you do have some sort of sin in your life that, or addiction or pain or sorrow or grief or loss or loneliness or anguish or sense of failure or whatever it is, the first thing to ask is God would restore your soul. Because when he restores your soul, you start to see clearly. You start to see again, and then once you have this experience of having a soul restored, your delight in bringing that good news to someone else propels you to love them with the same delicate love that He with which He's loved you, and the same powerful love with which He's loved you when He hung on the cross for you. So we ask God to restore our souls. So I just invite you as the um, the worship team comes up, and I just want to ask Matt if we could sing again. Your love never fails; it never gives up. Because I love the idea of that, that you can sing that, but I'd love you to consider that idea that his love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on you. Just take a moment in the silence just to pray that prayer, Lord, restore my soul and the open the eyes of my heart that I might see you. Bring everything to him. Let's pray that. Lord, as we, as we sit here today, we thank you for your incredible love for every person sometimes we forget that. So remind us again, Lord, not just your love for us, but for the people next to us and behind us, everyone who fills this room. Your love never fails on each, for each one of us. You are there ready to perform that delicate eye surgery of moving logs so that we can see that more clearly, you can see the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, paying the price for every single sin that we've ever committed, that we are committing and that we will commit. Thank you for that. Thank you that you paid the price for our shame. Thank you that you took away condemnation. Thank you that you brought us lovingly into your kingdom and you nurture us and you restore our souls and you fill us with life. And I pray for each one of us today, Lord, where there is any soul problem, any depth in us that is not full of your love and your joy and your peace and your comfort and hope, Restore our souls, Father, we pray. And then we pray as our souls are restored, lead us to those around us and enable us to gently help remove specks where we're invited in to do so. But in our prayer for one another, Lord, may it be that everyone would have our eyes open to see your hope, to see the inheritance and see the power that you have for each one of us